and welcome to the What The Heck podcast, a show that looks at mysteries and the unexplained. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week, I look at something unexplained, telling a story or describing it, then look at the theories surrounding it. I won't give you any answers, because I don't know them myself. I'll just give you what you need to decide for yourself. Research is done as academically as possible, and references will be given after the stories. This is the opening week of season two, so there's an episode every day. This week has a theme. I won't be telling you what it is until Halloween, but you can guess if you like. Ways to contact me will be at the end of the episode if you want to guess. Today, though, we're looking at the Winsford body. Winsford is a village near Minehead, just on the edge of Exmoor. We've been to Exmoor before on the podcast, looking at the Beast of Exmoor in Creature Feature 2, during the talk about the Beast of Bodmin Moor. This one doesn't involve a beast, but it does involve some gruesome details, so if that's going to upset you, skip this episode and mark it as played. In March of 2002, either the 3rd or the 13th, because there are two differing accounts of when exactly this happened. One of the Exmoor Park Rangers was doing his rounds. His job involved picking up litter and clearing hazards. As he was looking around the area of Hulse Lane on Winsford Hill, near the village of Winsford, he discovered some discarded plastic bags. He removed the bags as he was meant to, and took them to the Devon and Somerset Staghounds kennels to destroy them. He thought that the bags contained animal bones and took them to the kennels because there was an incinerator specifically for the disposal of animal bones. Instead of throwing the bags straight into the incinerator, the ranger chose to open the bags. Inside were not the remains of an animal. They were human and badly decomposed. Staff at the kennels called the police. They arrived and began to investigate the remains, looking for evidence. Along with the plastic bags that the body had been wrapped in, the remains had also been wrapped in a single duvet, a pillowcase and a single bedsheet. The remains were bound with audio cable and still clothed in a pair of Adidas shorts and its underwear, and wore a gold necklace and pendant with a verse of the Quran on it. The verse was identified as 2255, known as the throne verse. It's believed that the pendant was made in Pakistan and are commonly worn in the Gujarat area of India. The police immediately appealed to the public for information or witnesses, aiming specifically at walkers and equestrians who frequent that area of the park. They hoped that someone had seen something in the months beforehand, or even noticed anyone who was acting strangely. Whilst waiting, the police looked to establish some forensic evidence. The detective in charge of the investigations... Detective Chief Inspector Barry Douglas told the press 
that an initial investigation of the body identified it to have been a man aged between 20 and 30, 5 foot 9 or 1.75 metres, with dark hair. It was also revealed that the body had most likely been dumped recently, but the man had died in, the, in late 1999 or early 2000. A clay reconstruction of the man's head had been created to go with the appeals, along with a computer-generated reconstruction. The images of these were released with the appeal to the public in the hopes that people would recognise the man and come forward. But it seems like nobody knew him, because nobody called in with information about him. Witnesses were elusive, with nobody coming forward with any information. It was speculated that perhaps the man had been an illegal immigrant and that those who had been with him when he died weren't coming forward because they didn't want to expose themselves. In an attempt to find clues, the police went through both national and international missing persons databases. They came up with 2,366 cases. 2,357 of those were eventually discounted and the other nine were investigated, although they came up with nothing. What the police do know is that the pigmentation of his skin, from what they could tell, suggested that he had North African, Middle Eastern or Mediterranean heritage and that his bone structure was Caucasian, adding to the suggestion. They believed that he had lived in the UK for a few years before his death, likely spending time between Plymouth and Bude in Devon and Poole and Bristol in Somerset. Not much is known about how the man died, but police say that there is evidence that suggests his death was violent. In 2017, a spokesman said that he had suffered injuries consistent with a violent assault before his death. They had used an electron microscope too, and found evidence of some kind of metal in his ribs, thought to be part of a stabbing weapon like a knife. Due to the decomposition of the body though, it wasn't possible to find the actual cause of death. There were even fewer clues about where exactly the man had died. The forensic evidence suggested that he had lived in southwest England before his death and a pillowcase that had been found with the body was the same type as the ones used in many hotels in the area. But it was unlikely that he had been left on Exmoor after his death. The decomposition didn't back that up. An inquest was performed in 2004 to find out why, and it was discovered that the body was kept cold for a while, maybe even up to two years before being moved to Exmoor at some point after May 2001. Over time, the forensics have created a full DNA profile of the man. In 2006, four years after the body's discovery, it was released and buried with a Muslim graveside ceremony in Watchit, Somerset. The ceremony was conducted by a Muslim religious leader the body was laid to rest with no known information about it. The case seemed to go cold and disappear after that. Until 2017, 15 years after the initial discovery. 
The BBC show Crime Watch Roadshow featured this story in an episode in June 2017. Detective Sergeant Pete Frake appeared on the show, updating the public on their discoveries. Over the years, they had carried out exhaustive inquiries and had found nothing. They had built a full DNA profile using modern forensic techniques and seeking help from scientific experts from UK and Europe, including anthropologists, pathologists, dental morphology specialists, and even experts in mitochondrial DNA analysis. The only thing missing was the man's actual identity. The police once again appealed to the public, asking for information. Frake said that they hadn't been able to tell his family about his death and that they needed to bring justice to the perpetrator of the crime. The case is still open 20 years later. His identity is still unknown and the police are still asking for information. Details to contact them will be after the theories today. The body of a man was found on Exmoor in 2002 and, even 20 years later, is yet to be identified. It's believed he was murdered, but nobody can figure out what happened, who he is or why he wasn't reported as missing. There are theories for what happened and why he wasn't reported missing, so I think we should take a look at them. We'll start with the theories about why he wasn't reported as missing. The biggest theory about this comes from the isotopic tests that have been done. The theory is that the man likely lived in the area for anywhere up to 10 years before his death. This disproved the initial theory of the man, which was that he had been killed overseas and brought to the UK later. This theory then splits down some more, all theories about who he might be. One theory suggests that the man may have been an illegal refugee or immigrant working around Exmoor in the hospitality business, explaining why he was buried with bed linens found in hotels in the area. This theory suggests that the man kept mostly to himself and the hotel didn't want to implicate itself as hiring unlawful workers by coming forward with information. Another theory suggests that the man had been involved in illegal activity in the area, potentially organised crime. This would explain why nobody came forward, but organised crime and gang activity is quite rare in Somerset. It would be rather unlikely for a gang to be operating in such a large area, leaving just Bristol and Plymouth in the list of areas he may have frequented as places for him to be part of a gang. One theory suggests that he was in the country legally, but had lived a somewhat solitary life. If this was the case, he would be relatively unknown in the area, and people wouldn't recognise the reconstructions of his face. Nobody would have come forward, because they wouldn't really know him at all. The final theory for why he wasn't reported missing is that he was part of a family who had murdered him, potentially in an honour killing. 
Honour-based violence occurs when the actions of the victim are seen as damaging to a family's reputation. It can be for any number of reasons, including refusing to enter a forced marriage. Male victims are rare, but not unheard of. The reasons for the man's murder is obviously unknown, but it would explain why the family wouldn't have come forward to report the man. If they had killed him, even accidentally, they wouldn't have said anything because it would likely have brought more dishonour on the family. I don't know which of these seems the most likely. It could be any of them, aside from the illegal activity theory. Most of them seem to make sense, but although the distance is rather small, there wouldn't likely be a gang that spans the whole area. Unless the man was a go-between, it would be almost impossible for him to be in just one gang in that area. But what happened to the man? We know he was likely stored before being moved to the area near Winsford. But how did he die? One theory here suggests that he had an argument with someone at his job, something that escalated to the point where he died. The body was then placed in cold storage until such a time it could be safely moved to a less conspicuous spot. If we go down the hospitality route, it makes less sense. The body being put in cold storage would have filled a large amount of space in a freezer or would be very visible in a walk-in chiller, so I don't know if this one works. Another theory suggests that the man was murdered whilst another crime was being committed. The murderer took the body and stored it until it could be safely moved. I've seen some mentions of the body being kept in a basement for this theory, but houses in the UK don't often have a basement. Some buildings may have cellars for wine, and pubs and bars on the ground floor will always have a cellar for the kegs and stock, so it is possible, but it's unlikely. One theory suggests that it was a random killing, or that a local dispute had ended in murder. There doesn't seem to be much else in this theory, but it does explain why we have next to no information about it. If it were a random killing, nobody would have known anything about it. If it were a local dispute, only the perpetrator and the victim would have known anything, so nobody would have come forward. However, it isn't common for those sorts of things to happen in the UK, much less in a town or a village in the countryside. The final theory goes back to honour killings. It suggests again that he was killed by a family member, or maybe a close friend or someone from the same religious background that had murdered him for some reason. Perhaps he had refused to marry someone his family had chosen for him, and they had taken it badly. Perhaps he had done something else that his family had been upset by. Maybe it was his community who had been upset. Perhaps it hadn't even meant to go as far as it did. Like I said, honour-based violence is rarer for men, but not unheard of, and isn't indicative of the Muslim faith as a whole. Something that is important to discuss is the necklace and the pendant that was discovered with the body. It was found to be 22 karat gold, which would have a high resale value. 
its Quran inscription is also important. The perpetrator would likely have either been knowledgeable about the Quran or wouldn't have been attempting to rob the man. The verse on the pendant is often used as a passage to ward off evil spirits, which could be a sign of regret, respect, or a safety precaution to not have an evil spirit come and torment the perpetrator. Personally, I think that someone who had an understanding of Islam had something to do with it, but that's about as far as I can get. There isn't enough evidence to really point in any other direction. Whatever happened, the man hasn't been identified and nobody is suspected of the murder. If you have any information that may help, please call the Avon and Somerset Police on 101 and mention Operation Glacier or call Crime Stoppers anonymously on 0800 555 111. The story from this episode came from an unsolved news article called The Exmoor Body, a Bristol Live article called Was This Man Killed in Bristol Before His Body Was Buried in Bin Bags on Exmoor? And a Somebody Knows More podcast page called The Mystery of the Exmoor Body in a Bag. The theories from this episode came from the Somebody Knows More page and the Unsolved News article. The information about honour-based violence came from a Conversation UK article called The Forgotten Male Victims of Honour-Based Violence. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Social media links are available using the link in the episode description. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and post short pieces of episodes on TikTok. I have a Patreon but I'm still deciding what to post on it this season. There is a £3 tier if you want to support me anyway. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. My email address is also in the episode description if you want to send me spooky stories, unexplained events or even mysteries you want me to look at. If I get enough, I'll set up some listener episodes to read them. Please don't hesitate to email me if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said. Once I've seen the email, I'll make sure to correct myself. The next episode is going to be out tomorrow and will follow the same theme as today. See if you can figure it out. Remember, there's not long to wait, so hold on until then. (laughs) 